the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back. Tuesday, September 28th, 2021. I can't remember a day, perhaps outside of an impeachment hearing, when I was as glued to the television set as I was all morning watching the Senate hearings uh, with the witnesses, uh, Generals uh, Generals Milley and McKenzie and Secretary of Defense uh, Lloyd Austin, General Lloyd Austin, Secretary of Defense. Um, and... Mark today, September 28th, um, as perhaps the day, not that everything changed, but the day that everything changed for Joe Biden. It's almost as if John Dean was talking about and disclosing the taping system or Butterworth was, the, the, the taping system in the Nixon White House during Watergate. It's almost the smoking gun. For when you contrast what Joe Biden has been telling, telling us up until today with what these generals said, clearly taking no pleasure in what they said, I've never seen more somber faces, you have a crisis in our administration. You have a crisis in our administration. Is it a constitutional crisis? I don't know. The Democrats love to throw that phrase around. They've thrown it around ad nauseum during the Trump administration. A call to the Ukraine. A call for peaceable protest. Not releasing confidential transcripts or unredacted transcripts. All of these and more were constitutional crises, according to Jerry Nadler and Nancy Pelosi and CNN. What do you have today when the most consequential foreign policy decision made by the United States president is being contradicted, contradicted by his generals, and he lies about it, the president lies about it on national and international TV. It's not as if nothing happened. There can be a lot of mistakes, poor decisions, and even some dissimulation where there are not consequences. But everything over the last several months in Afghanistan has been hugely consequential. Hugely. American lives lost. American allies' lives lost. Americans left behind. American allies left behind. And, of course, the assassination of several innocents so that we could strut about having responded 
to the slaying of American soldiers. All of this was unnecessary. None of it needed to happen. And it's the lie Joe Biden told that allows him to continue and perpetuate the myth that everything was successful and he did what his generals told him. Bill, let's start with Joe Biden. Let's start with Joe Biden talking to George Stephanopoulos. So no one, no one told your military advisors did not tell you, no, we should just keep 2,500 troops. It's been a stable situation for the last several years. We can do that. We can continue to do that. No, no one said that to me that I can recall. Look, George. No one said that to him that he can recall. There's two problems with this. He said that I can recall to perhaps give himself some cover, some deniability, some wiggle room. As was pointed out today, whether it was a lie or whether it was the truth that he truly didn't recall, you have a really serious problem. Bill, I don't think I sent you this audio, so I'm going to play it from here. It's Jim Inhofe, a senator from Oklahoma, speaking to the witnesses. So bear with. I think we can get this audio uh, this way. General McKenzie, did you agree to the recommendation that uh, uh, General Miller uh, had two weeks ago? Senator, um, again, I won't, I won't share my personal recommendation to the president, but I will give you my honest opinion, and my honest opinion and view shaped my recommendation. I recommended that we maintain 2,500 troops in Afghanistan, and I also recommended earlier in the fall of 2020 that we maintain 4,500 at that time. Those are my personal views. I also have a view that the withdrawal of those forces would lead inevitably to the collapse of the Afghan military forces and eventually the Afghan government. Yes, I understand that. And uh, General Milley. Before we go to General Milley, just understood, understand what you just heard. You heard the head of CENTCOM, Central Command, General McKenzie, saying that he advised Joe Biden that we should keep troops there. Give me Joe Biden to Stephanopoulos again. So no one, no one told your military advisors did not tell you, no, we should just keep 2,500 troops. It's been a stable situation for the last several years. We can do that. We can continue to do that. No, no one said that to me that I can recall. Okay. That's a, hold that handy. Hold that handy. Now in Hoff with Millie. Millie, I assume you agree with that in terms of the recommendation of 2,500? What I said in my opening statement and the memoranda that I wrote back in the fall of 2020 remained consistent, and I do agree with that. This committee is unsure as to whether or not General Miller's uh, recommendation ever got to the president. Um, you know, obviously, there are conversations with the president. Yeah, but I would like to ask, even though uh, General McKenzie, I think you've all made this statement, did you talk to the president about General Miller's uh, recommendation? Sir, I was present when that discussion uh, occurred. Mm-hmm. And I'm confident that the president heard all the recommendations and listened to him very thoughtfully. There you have it. There you have it. Now, by the way, if you hear the name uh, General Miller, that's not a mistake by Inhofe. He's not meaning Milley. Gen- General Miller uh, was the head of uh, head of the command uh, was the um, in charge of the uh, forces in Afghanistan. Three of them, all of them, said this. All of them said they advised Joe Biden not to withdraw every single troop. Stephanopoulos and Biden, one more time, Maestro, please. 
So no one, no one told your military advisors did not tell you, no, we should just keep 2,500 troops. It's been a stable situation for the last several years. We can do that. We can continue to do that. No, no one said that to me that I can recall. Look, George, the reason why. There you go. No one said it to me that I can recall. Either he doesn't recall the advice from the top commander at CENTCOM or the advice of the commander of forces in Afghanistan or his now Secretary of Defense and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, or he deliberately went against all of their advice. Now, Jen Psaki today held a press conference, and she said there were other generals who were advising him to do exactly what he did. Let's have their names. Let's have their names. You know, it could not have been easy, and I am no defender of General Milley. I'm learning a little bit more about McKenzie. But, you know, it could not have been easy for these generals to go in front of Congress today and 100% completely and fully disagree and contradict their commander-in-chief, the President of the United States of America. That they did. Who do you think's telling the truth? Who do you think's telling the truth? Three men under oath, under pains and penalty of contempt, or Joe Biden? Who do you think's telling the truth? Marsha Blackburn distinguished herself today by looking at the overall picture here and gave a statement on the Senate floor today, or in the Senate hearing room today, that you're not going to want to miss, and we'll hear it when we come back. I think, I think I misstated the guy who, <laughs> the Nixon aide who disclosed the, uh, that there was a taping system in, uh, in the Nixon White House. And I'm trying to remember if it wasn't, his name wasn't Butterworth, but it was something like that. Who was it? We'll find that out between now and our next segment. And stay tuned because I think Marsha Blackburn speaks for you when she speaks today. And I'll play for you it when we come back. When I talk about consequential, the foreign policy decision, the military decision of Joe Biden in Afghanistan being consequential, listen to Mark Milley today. You and I have discussed this. Do you, would you use the term extraordinary success for, the, for what took place in August in Afghanistan? That's the noncombatant evacuation. And I think one of the other senators said it very well. It was a logistical success, but a strategic failure. A strategic failure. Overall, strategic means overarching, an overarching failure. You have them not only contradicting Joe Biden on what they told him and advised him, which was 180 degrees, the opposite of what he stated, you also have their assessment that this was an overarching failure, as opposed to him and Jen so President Biden and Jen Psaki saying this was an extraordinary success. Again, who are you going to believe? At this point, I would suggest your own two eyes. Marsha Blackburn got to the rub of it today. I yield to the gentle lady from Tennessee. 
What is your standard for determining when to leak private conversations with the president? I, I don't leak private conversations with the president. You did not. So you had these conversations with the authors, but you don't see that as leaking information to which they were not entitled to know. See, this is the problem that we have. See, as a member of this committee and as someone who represents a lot of our men and women in uniform that are there, as we've referenced today, I've really got an issue with the fact that you will talk to authors but then you all come in here and you say, well, we can't tell you what we told the president. And then I have to drag it out of you that the written documents, which under Article 2, you're supposed to give those to us. You can't go hide behind somebody's skirts on this. And you don't want to give those to us. So you've re- repeatedly told this committee that you will not reveal your private conversations with President Biden, but then you've leaked this information from your meetings with President Trump. So it is important to us that you truthfully respond to us on this. And I think what you did with making time to talk to these authors, burnishing your image, kind of, you know, building that bluster, but then not putting the focus on Afghanistan and what was happening there. General Milley, that is really disappointing to me. I know it's disappointing to people that have served with you or under you, under your command, and it does not serve our nation well. You talked a little bit earlier about the damage, and you said damage was the right word to use when assessing what has happened in Afghanistan when you look at America's credibility. So how do you look the men and women in the eye that have served under your command? How do you look young men in the eye that are coming to our military academy days and who want to serve and say, you can depend on me. I've got your back. Because you know what? I think a lot of these families right now, they don't feel like you have your back. The special ops guys I met with Friday in my office in Nashville that are taking their time, their money, and risking their lives to do a job that the three of you could not do. Maybe we're going to remember you three as the three that broke the military. I don't know. But this is causing just a lot of anger from people who have trusted the military. They have felt like the military was one of the most trustworthy institutions. But in order to get a name in a book, In order to not be drawn into a political fight, what you have managed to do is to politicize the U.S. military, to downgrade our reputation with our allies. Nobody has resigned. Nobody has submitted their resignation. And we've got thousands of people watching this hearing today that are looking at you all and saying, I can't believe they're sitting there and not answering the questions 
and are trying to punt. I yell back. When Paul Mirangoff at Powerline was assembling everything that transpired today, he too seized on the quote of Joe Biden's to George Stephanopoulos and said if Biden feared he would be contradicted about the advice he received, his fear was justified. According to Politico, General Kenneth Frank McKenzie, commander of U.S. Central Command, made it clear to the Senate Armed Services that earlier this year he advised Biden to maintain a small force in Afghanistan to maintain stability. The Politico report states that in answering questions from Senator Jim Hoff, uh, Jim Inhofe about his advice, McKenzie said to, that he would not show, to share his personal recommendation to the president. But he went on to say his view, which he said shaped his recommendations, was that withdrawing those forces would lead inevitably to the collapse of the Afghan military forces and eventually the Afghan government. Furthermore, according to Politico, McKenzie testified that he was present, present, when General Austin Scott Miller, the commander of U.S. forces in Afghanistan, advised Biden to leave a few thousand troops on the ground in Afghanistan. Scott Miller, General Miller, reportedly testified to that effect at a closed-door session last week. McKenzie says, quote, I was present when that discussion occurred, and I'm confident that the president heard all the recommendations and listened to them very thoughtfully, close quote. We played you the audio. To make matters even worse for Biden, General Mark Milley testified that he agreed with that assessment and that the U.S. should maintain at least 2,500 troops in Afghanistan, like McKenzie. Milley declined to disclose the particulars of his discussion with Biden. However, it is certain that, as with McKenzie, Milley's advice to the president was consistent with the views he shared today. Is it plausible that Biden heard three top generals tell him to keep a few thousand troops in Afghanistan to avoid disaster, but after the passage of a few months couldn't recall receiving that advice? Is that possible? Is that at all possible? I don't think so. Biden was almost certainly lying to Stephanopoulos. But if Biden really did forget the advice he received on this crucial matter from the three most relevant members of the military, then he lacks even half the mind necessary to be president. We live in a dark moment. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. From one great voice to another, the other is John Dombrowski. He brings us our culture and economy update at this time every day, and it is a delight to have him. He is the president and founder of co-founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates, Grand Canyon Planning Dot com is his website. It's an upbeat website, even when the news isn't. His own radio show right here, 7 a.m. Saturday mornings, The Word on Wealth, GrandCanyonPlanning.com, the website. J.D., a lot of red today. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of red. Well, the volatility index was higher. It was green. It was <laughs> four and a half. All right, all right. Four. So we got that going for us. We got them just where we want them, right? Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, it was a rough day for the markets today, no question about it. Uh, and, you know, may ask why. Interesting rates again um, on the rise and we talked a little bit about that uh, and we're seeing it you know inflation is here and uh, we're starting to see the 10-year treasury yield increasing you know we saw if you look at a chart of the 10-year treasury over the last three months 
you see this big dip, uh, and then it's charging back up to where it was three months ago, hitting those those highs of three months ago. And this is concerning because you know we think, why does it affect stocks? Well, if you've got companies that are purely growth companies out there, with with a lot of the tech companies, that's pretty much what they're doing is they're constantly trying to grow their their business. So in order to do that, they're doing that in a variety of different ways. But one of them is is they're spending money and spending money by borrowing money. So the cost of borrowing uh, goes up. The cost uh, cuts into their uh, returns, and therefore the multiples that they may have been trading at you know, last week before these interest rates rose now are affecting what the potential value of that stock is because it reduces the amount of growth that these companies or profits that they would have. So that's the direct correlation of why when interest rates go up, a lot of these growth companies uh, are starting to pull back and lose some of the gains that they've had up to this point. We're reading a lot today that the tech companies, as you were just pointing out, were driving a lot of this. Mm-hmm. And the question, you know, whether it's um, whether it's Alphabet or whether it's Facebook or Microsoft, John, a lot of this, you know, comes when we're starting to think that, you know, these companies have never been doing better or have never been more popular. Right. You know, people use them every day. They're in the news every mm-hmm. day. People rely on them every day. That's not that's not enough to keep those stocks buoyed, I guess. Well, you know, if you look I'd throw at throw Apple in there too, I see. Yeah, Apple, any of yeah. the, the big big tech companies, yeah. they've done fantastic year to date. A lot of these Apple has been one of the laggers actually, but okay. you see, you know, Google or Alphabet and, and Microsoft uh, have done extremely well over the past year. Uh, however, you know, when, as I mentioned, these are growth companies, and the growth will be affected by ultimately by their cash flows. And if their cash flows are going to be reduced because the cost to do business increases, then the value of that stock is not going to warrant unless, I would say this, unless they continually show that even in a rising interest rate environment that they could continue to grow. And if that's the case, if they can continue to grow their cash flow and their net returns, then they will continue to be rewarded with higher share prices. I got you. So it's still possible. This could be an opportunity. For those who are long-term investors, if you have a 401k, this is not a reason for you to run and go all to cash in your 401k if you're going to be working for the next 10, 15, 20 years. Seth, this is an opportunity. And your next paycheck that you get when you make that contribution to your 401k, you're going to be purchasing these same shares that you've been buying at a lower price right Mm -hmm. now. Yeah, no, fair enough. I like your optimism. You're assuming that I'll be still employed here. (laughs) 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 I appreciate the optimism nonetheless. We'll just use it as advice for everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) I'm teasing. I'm not going anywhere. Um, Fears of inflation. what about legislation? When Republicans, particularly Republicans, talk about uh, big tech curbing it, the mon- breaking up the monopolistic uh, policies and procedures of it, is that going to affect their stock prices and too? Is uh, is that going to affect the stock market as well if their stock prices uh, are going to be affected by that kind of discussion? I would say this is if it were possible for them to regulate these companies. Will they do it? I don't know. But if it did happen, I'm sure it would have some type of an effect. But that's a long way off from happening, I believe. January Uh, 2023. 
possible. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So between right. now and then, uh, I don't think tech companies are worried about that at the moment. Fantastic, John Dobrowski. All right. Securities and advisory services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of Finran Sipic, and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Go to our website. If you want to request an appointment, you could do so right there at GrandCanyonPlanning.com. Thanks, J.D. You bet. All right. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Following up on our several stories with regard to the uh, Brophy College prep policy on vaccinations and their students, we have uh, mom calling in, Jessica in Phoenix. Welcome to the show, Jessica. Thanks for calling. Hi, Seth. Thank you very much for having me. You betcha. Just to... um, set the table a little bit. We've done a few stories on what's taking place over at Brophy. Channel 12 News here locally says these are the strictest, most stringent COVID policies for students in the state. Do you want to just recap briefly for the audience what the policy is, or would you like me to? Uh, The reason I ask you is because it may have changed a little since I last read it. You're probably more I think it's it's probably the same. Okay. It is a long involved policy. Okay. So I'll give you a nutshell and you can Perfect. add anything that you can Perfect. recall. Perfect. Um, but the policy is that all of the students must be vaccinated or they must um, have twice weekly COVID tests that must come up negative. Yep. Um, the vaccinated students have access to more activities. Mm-hmm. There are Things the unvaccinated students cannot do. Um, if they have contact with somebody with COVID, the, the procedure is a lot more stringent for the kids who haven't been vaccinated. And if you are a family or child at Brophy who chooses not to vaccinate for whatever reason and you go through the testing regimen that they give as an alternative, you still aren't on equal par with the vaccinated students, right? I think you made mention of that. But, for example, field trips, as I understand it, are off limits to negative testers. Yeah. Correct. Okay, Correct. so you can test negative, but you can't go on a field trip. But if you're yeah. vaccinated, I, you can. And yet the vaccinated aren't required to test, right? Just so I understand the nonsense of this. Do I have it about right? I would have I would have to go back and look. I vaguely recall that perhaps for an overnight event, the vaccinated kids might have to get tested. Okay, but on a day trip, not so much. I'm not really sure. Yeah, yeah. That's as I understand it. It, it, And I'll I'll clarify. I'll send an email to clarify. Because the point of vaccinating and testing, I think that those who test are are showing more more health conscientiousness to their fellow citizens than those that don't, quite frankly. It it, it crossed my mind. Yeah, well, the vaccinated can spread it. The healthy cannot. Yes. (laughs) Yes, okay. We made that point to them. And we, in fact, aren't really that upset about having to test if if that's what they need us to do. Except. We're prepared to do it. Except (laughs) you ran into the buzzsaw of how stringent their testing is. We really did. Tell us about that. To be fair, it's all written in their procedures and policies. Um, So last night I got a frantic call from my son at work. Mom, I forgot to get my test. I can't go to school for two days. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? He said, I just got this email. So I jump onto my email, um, and I realize there are two emails I didn't see during the day. Some of them go to junk because we get a lot of information from sure. that school. So I had one in junk. I had one out of junk. 
um, they were informing me, your son didn't get his test. He has to submit a negative test by 5 o'clock. If he does not, he cannot come to school until the next testing day, Mm -hmm. which will be Thursday, Mm -hmm. and his absence will be unexcused. Mm -hmm. It's 5.30, so we quick arranged to get him tested. I spent $150. He got, you know, the, the quick results, negative. We trotted into the dean's office this morning, explained what happened. Here's the negative result. The response was, no, mm. you can't come to school for two days and your absences will be unexcused. So we had a little back and forth because it, even though they wrote it down, it's kind of hard to believe. Um, and my son, who acquitted himself so well, I was very proud, said, wait a minute. I can come in on Thursday. I can get tested in the morning. You won't get the results till 5 p.m., but I can go on my way and attend classes all day Thursday, Thursday, potentially exposing people to COVID. And the response was, it's not about COVID. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yes. oh. Is it about Shakespeare? What is it about? Um, well, the answer we got was they are they're confident that the mitigation efforts they've imposed prevent the spread, and they were effective last year when they weren't testing, and I think they've been effective this year when they are testing. Um, they've just spent a lot of time and effort getting this system in place, and if you don't comply by the deadline, that's the, that's the repercussion. So if I understand this right, your student at Brophy College Prep can test negative for COVID and not be allowed to go to school. But because if he takes the COVID. test, but if he takes the, the COVID test that they give him, he can go to school pending the results all day long. Yeah, and I, I guess the idea is that because they're continually testing them, I don't know. No, I, I, exactly. The sentence falls apart. The sentence falls apart because yeah. there's no logic yeah. to it. There is no logic to allowing someone whose health condition you don't know, but you're using the favored test to possibly, you know, commingle with students, faculty and other staff. But someone who you tested and pay someone who but but a test you took and paid one hundred and fifty dollars for in addition to your regular tuition. They won't accept and they won't allow him to school and he'll have an excuse. We did not. We did not get the test in in time. Right. And so two additional points. If you've gone to Jesuit school, you know they have a lot of rules and a very typical um, punishment for breaking those rules, unless you're harming somebody or doing something serious, is called a ju- judgment under God. It's an hour detention. You clean up trash. You do something helpful around campus. No kid wants to do that. Um, but it happens. My child didn't do this purposefully. He got. He didn't get the message that he'd forgotten and needed to take action. As soon as he heard, he took corrective action, thinking the issue was they didn't want him endangering his fellow students. Mm-hmm. But again, that apparently that's not what it's all about. I, I can only conclude this is a very punitive policy. Well, it sure is. I'm really shocked it's coming from our Catholic school that I've heard about for years has this wonderful community. 
It's a wonderful community, and the shame of it is it's being divided, and it doesn't need to mm-hmm. be. It's being cre- it's creating caste systems among the students. It's creating absences of learning. It's creating uh-huh. frustration amongst the parents, and it doesn't have to be. It simply doesn't have to be. This is tyranny for no reason. They are running you through exquisite rituals of empty exactitude, which will not help your child learn and will not help your child socialize. They are reinstituting Plessy versus Ferguson, except not based on race, but health at Brophy College Prep, and they should be ashamed of themselves. I don't know what more to say. Me neither. I'm with you, Jessica. I'm with you. Keep fighting. You got you, you got a supporter in me. I'll do anything I can to help you. Thank you very much for you. your help. Thank you for helping okay. publicize it. God bless you. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. We'll get to the budget and other stories and uh, more on, um, more on the uh, hearings in the Senate over the Afghanistan withdrawal to, uh, a little later in the show. If you're on hold... Uh, just bear with or, or give us a call back because i got a really special guest coming at the top of the next hour. Um, probably the world's, if not America, if it, America's, if not the world's most credentialed and respected uh, physician on male-female differences, especially when it comes to education. I want to talk to him about the stories that have been floating around over the last couple weeks with regard to females outperforming males, what's causing it, what it means, what to do about it, if anything needs to be done about it. We'll talk to him. He's Dr. Leonard Sachs, S-A-X. Feel free to uh, look him up during um, the break if you want. But if you're on hold, just uh, stay there or call us back. I want to say something more about the um, the, the, the vaccination policies. Uh, we meant to get to this yesterday. The governor of New York is threatening to uh, is not threatening has stated that if hospital employees are not vaccinated they will be replaced by uh, the National Guard uh, I think it's an abuse of what the National Guard is supposed to be doing and it seems to me they have a lot better things to be doing than working in the hospitals where what something like seven to ten percent of the beds are occupied by COVID patients. But this is not going to end well. It's already not going well. Uh, the Becker Hospital Review is one of the more respected, one of the most respected hospital uh, hospital journals. And they just compiled this list uh, for today. Um, there are uh, 48,000. No, I'm sorry. Uh, there are 250. Sorry, I read the the wrong uh, numerator. There are 250 New York City based New York Presbyterian Hospital team members who choose not to comply with the vaccine mandate. They are no longer working there. Good work. 250 hospital employees just laid off in New York City at Hyde Park, New York based and Northwell House. Two dozen were not allowed to continue their roles at the hospital because they chose not to get the COVID vaccine. In Winston-Salem, 175 hospital workers have been put on suspension. 66 employees left 
Northern Light Health because of the requirement. 58 in Portland, Maine have been laid off from their hospitals. 72 in Winchester, Virginia. I could go on and on. But if we're trying to give hospitals relief, if hospitalization is the siren song, we're making things a lot worse with these decisions. What is this theological, religious, and fanatical adherence to stealing rights and forcing vaccines? I don't get it, but it's leading to worse public health outcomes. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.